0: A few weeks back, there was an article in the New York Times written by Rukhmini Kalimahi that deeply disturbed me. She wrote about how ISIS was systematically rounding up 12-year-old girls and using them as a recruitment tool to recruit for ISIS fighters. Now, if you read this article, you know what I'm talking about. If you have not read it. You need to read it. Even David Brooks today in his Abed, he linked to it. And it was not just one horrific event that occurred this one time, but in interview after interview, they saw that they're systematically doing this, and these different girls' stories, they all lined up. They had buses set up to carry them. They had procedures and rule books. And as a rabbi, I always need to be very careful whenever we say, it's 1937 and we're in Germany. Because it lights us up. It's it's like a cheap tactic to get the Jewish community up in arms. We know how to respond to that. And let's be clear here. We have a group that is systematically rounding up girls and separating them from their families. And I'm not saying it is 1937. But I am saying this should resonate with us. And then, I read this week's Torah portion. And at first glance, I was deeply disturbed. Because the very opening line, the first one that catches your eyes, in Deuteronomy 21, verse 10, it says, when you take the field against your enemies, and the Lord your God delivers them into your power, and you take some of them captive, And you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire her, and would take her to wife, you shall bring her into your house. And when I read this, my mouth dropped. And I couldn't believe I was reading this in our text. It seems exactly like what I'm reading in the New York Times. How is it that in the midst of war, the Torah doesn't just say, don't touch the women? Because that's what I wanted to read. It's what I expected to read. But it's not what I read. But I decided to continue reading. You shall bring her into your house, and she shall trim her hair, pare her nails, and discard her captive's guard. She shall spend a month's time in your house lamenting her father and mother. And after that, you may approach her to be your wife. Then you should no longer want her. You must release her outright. You must not sell her for money. You must not enslave her. So let me ask again. How is it that in the midst of war, the Torah doesn't just say, don't touch the women? The Torah does something very different. And as I've said before in the name of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, the Torah is not a book about God. It's a book about humans and since it is a book about humans it's creating a structure to deal with the imperfections of humans. It knows that if I tell someone in the passion of war that you may find a person that you want to take and you just can't do that, that it's just not going to stop them because I'm dealing with humans that are not always rational and often emotional. So instead, the Torah creates a structure to dismantle the system it dislikes. We see the Torah do this with slavery. We are a people who hate slavery. We're always reminded over and over again, 36 times in the Torah, never to treat anyone the way we were treated because we were slaves. But then after all that, we have rules in the Torah around how we're supposed to treat our own slaves. It's mind boggling until you see the system it created. We can have slaves, but you have to give them Shabbat, and then after seven years, you have to release them. By entering into the current structure of society and building a new system around it, we then have the ability to dismantle the entire thing. So when we read that if you are in war and you want to capture a woman, you need to follow these rules of how you're going to go about it. You can take her, but once you take her, you first have to take her home. Let her clean her nails. Let her change her clothes so she's no longer in war-torn clothes where she no longer looks human. Now, once you have physically let her transform from a prisoner to looking like all the other people that exist around you, then we're going to shift. We're going to begin seeing who she is as a person. Do you know what you just did to her? You just killed her parents. Or at the very least, you separated her from her family. You now need to let her sit in your home as you feed her and you take care of all of her physical needs and let her mourn. And not for a day and not for a week, but for an entire month. Day in and day out, you're going to let her cry and grieve over what she has lost because of you. And she's not allowed to do that somewhere else. It's got to be in your home. And only after that month of seeing who she is and what she has lost, if after all of that, you still desire her, then you can elevate her to the status of your equal as your wife. You see, the Torah is not taking the tactic that it can be effective enough in stopping people in the passion of war. Rather, it tries to build a system around the barbarism to elicit compassion. After a month of watching her weep, the hope is that you will see her no longer as a captive, but as a human. Now, I'm... I'm still not comfortable with this partial. But I understand the intent It's great compassion within your other human beings. Now, it's in this exact same Parsha that we also read about how if you see a nest and you want the eggs, you must shoo away the mother bird. And generally, when people read this, they say, well, the reason for that is that we're trying to be kind to the mother bird. We're trying to show compassion. No, we aren't. The mother bird is going to come back to the nest and she's going to see the eggs are gone. And if we were so compassionate to animals, worrying about how they felt, we would be vegetarian. And we're not. The Ramban, he points out that the reason of the commandment is so we do not have cruel hearts. We have this mitzvah here to teach us not to be cruel. It's a reminder of how important motherhood is and not to lack in compassion. We shoo that mother bird away, not to change her emotional state. We shoo the mother bird away to change our emotional state. These laws are designed to teach us compassion. And while I remain disturbed that I do not read in the Torah what I want to read in the Torah, I understand the logic behind the system. I cannot tell people to be compassionate or to have an emotion, but what I can do is to set them up in a situation where if I can truly get them to look in the other person's eyes and see that they're a human, with parents just like me, saddened just like me, then I will hopefully stir compassion that will lead to systemic change. The problem we make is when we begin to dehumanize. When ISIS does not look at these girls as humans, They do not treat them as humans. When Kurt Schilling groups 7% of 1.5 billion people that span the globe, he's dehumanizing them. What the Hasids taught us is that all conflict begins and ends within our souls. And while I cannot control what an ISIS member does, what I can control is that if I'm constantly looking at the members of ISIS, as members of ISIS, rather than individual humans, I fall into the same trap. What can I do? I pray. I pray that humans who are standing under that banner of ISIS, that they look at their sacred text, the exact same sacred text we are reading this Shabbat. The one out of Deuteronomy 21 and that they begin to engage with a system which does everything in its power to humanize the other. If we look at what we as a Jewish people have done historically at horrific moments in history, we find that generally we've buried ourselves in our texts, sometimes praying, oftentimes studying, always with the same goal of the hope of dismantling a cruel and unjust systems. But today is different for us because we're no longer those people who have no influence, who have no power. We still want to dismantle unjust systems, but what is different for us today is that we have access and we have influence. Each of us has a different voice, and each of us, Needs to use it. This this may be uncomfortable. That's okay. Because time and again, the Torah tells us over and over that we know what it's like to be powerless. We know what it's like to be a slave. Those people, those girls, those Yazidis, are you.